When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Looking back on it, I hope my legacy at Clemson is that I was a great teammate and a great person uh, overall, just more than football, more than how I played um, each game. is just how I treated people. I want that to be the main thing that I'm known for, and I feel like over the last three years, um, that's the thing I've, I've kept as a priority is just treating people well and, and being a good person. So I hope that that's my, my legacy when I, when I leave here. And I've learned a lot from Coach Sweeney and just from, from all my coaches. Um, Really just Coach Streeter, offense coordinator Coach Elliott, um, all the position coaches, support staff, everyone has been so good to me and treated me like family since I've, since I've gotten here. And that faith aspect has really been the most important thing in my life. To all my teammates over the past three years, uh, it's been the most fun ride I've been on. I'll look back at these three years and I have the best memories, winning the national championship, winning a lot of games, um, and just, just not even that, but just more so all the little moments, being in the locker room, being in practice, spending every day together, and just having those memories of just us laughing and cutting up and just enjoying life together. Those, those are things I'll remember forever. You know, when I look at my life as a whole so far, just this journey of whatever, 21 years, the most formative years have been my time here at Clemson. Like I said, it's, it's taught me how to be a better man, no doubt. Uh, and that's the biggest takeaway, really. Obviously, it's made me a better football player, but that's kind of secondary to, to what it's taught me about life. And I really feel like um, I'm a man now, and, I, and I'm ready to take on those challenges and just super excited for, for life ahead. The best is always yet to come, but, um, man, I'm, I'm grateful for Clemson, and I'm going to miss it. But I just want to say thank you to everyone that's supported Clemson, um, all of my Clemson family, whether that's fans, my teammates, my coaches, 
um, in my immediate family. I mean, I just am so thankful for you guys. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for y'all. There's so many people that have helped raise me up, and I can't wait to see what, what God has next for us. But um, my time here has been amazing, and I'll be a Clemson Tiger forever. Your future franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, declared for the NFL draft today. Welcome into the first episode of the Gin Jag podcast of 2021. Happy New Year to all our loyal listeners. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. 2020 is in the books, thank the heavens. The worst season in franchise history, one of the worst uh, years in our country and world's history. Definitely the darkest time in the history of the Jags. Years and years of losing, but all of this for Trevor Lawrence. Jeremy, how are we doing? We are finally looking on the horizon. The Jags are back, baby. After enduring this terrible, terrible season, we get the greatest gift we could ask for, the number one pick, and hopefully Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the savior of the franchise, the savior of the NFL, and everything in between. He is going to be everything that we could have ever hoped for, and I'm so excited. I think all of Duval is. I think uh, it was a formality, you know. Trevor Lawrence had already come out and said that that uh, he most likely would be moving on from Clemson after this year, but he made it official today with that announcement on his Twitter. Had to had to intro that intro the show with that. I thought it was very fitting, and he just sounds like a genuine guy, hardworking guy, ready to get to the next step in his career. And ready to take on the NFL, I think, on the field and mentally, uh, both of those aspects, I think he's ready for the next step. Absolutely. And he did sound very uh, thankful and, and, you know, respectful of his time at Clemson, but he's ready to move on. He's ready to finally fulfill um, his dream, I'm sure, and his potential. And I think the NFL is ready for him. I think he's ready for the NFL. You know, I really do. I think, you know, he's taken enough time to prepare and to get ready. And even though, you know, he had a tough game the other night and it didn't come out like he wanted, I think he's ready to take on the reins of the NFL, take on the sport's best, and become one of the best in the sport. Yeah, I do too, 100%. So today we'll obviously talk Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about who the Jaguars should surround him with, both from a head coach and GM standpoint, and also in free agency, which would be the next step in roster building uh, prior to the draft. Um, and the Jaguars, they have the most salary cap space in football. So there's a lot of different options we can look at. We're kind of going to break down our top five targets for each of us that we'd really be excited to see land here in Duval. Check out GenJag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis and to get all your Duval merch. We just dropped a throwback a vintage sweatshirt over on the site. Go check it out. Again, that's GenJag.com. And of course, thank you to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street in Riverside at their tap room on Roselle. And check them out at BoldCityBrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. So obviously, we haven't even mentioned that Doug Marone was fired. It seems like that happened eons ago. It's just been a super busy week in terms of news for the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence today, with yesterday and the day before getting all the 
uh, influx of coaching news, who the Jaguars are targeting, interviewing, and then even back to Saturday before the Jaguars' last game, the rumors of Urban Meyer essentially uh, saying, if Ian Rappaport's sources are to be believed, that he expects to land the Jaguars' job. So lot to get into, obviously. Um, I do think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Doug a little bit. I, I really enjoyed his time here from a uh, perspective of covering the team, from you know having having spoken with him in, in press conferences and seeing him around the building prior to COVID and all that. Uh, I think he was a genuine dude. I think he was really nice to the fans respectful of the media and I'll miss him in that regard, but he was certainly a flawed coach. I mean, you look at some of the decisions he's made in games, obviously dating back to 2017, uh, AFC championship really took his foot off the gas against the Patriots, which ultimately, obviously miles Jack wasn't down, but ultimately it allowed Tom Brady and the Patriots to get back in that game late and, and take down the Jaguars and then you look at some of the other gaffes he's had throughout the years, and he was a flawed coach, did not always get the most out of his team, maybe didn't always make the right decisions, but he's a guy that I'll miss. I, I really liked him a lot. Yeah, and you can kind of look back and, and really kind of pinpoint not only the franchise's downfall, but Doug's downfall as the coach on that AFC championship game. But you're right, you know, Doug wasn't a bad guy. You know, and, and as a coach, I thought originally we were on track, but like you said, you know, maybe some leadership issues, decision issues, stuff like that kind of, you know, led things to obviously go astray. And when it boils down to the end of the day, just wasn't enough winning. And that's how you're going to be uh, graded and looked upon in this league is do you win? And at the end of the day, unfortunately, just one really stellar season wasn't enough to keep around firing Douglas a formality at this point. But Definitely, there's no you know hate in that decision, and there's no hate watching him leave. You know, he, he's not run out of town, but just couldn't get the job done. Yeah, the first time I met him, we were like in the Jaguars media room getting ready for practice, and he just came in with a big bag of Chick Fil A breakfast sandwiches, gave him out to all the media people. Was just a super great way to meet someone. Like first time I'm meeting you, you're bringing me a Chick Fil A breakfast sandwich. This is going to be a good relationship, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Absolutely. And, and he always seemed like a, like a really good, like I said, I never had the chance to speak with him um, in that setting, but he always communicated extremely well. He was always very upfront, very well-spoken. Didn't ever seem like he was given a lot of BS to the media or to the fans, you know, throughout it all. Um, and, you know, you're right. Sometimes he didn't get the best out of his guys or other things going on in the background. Um, but I would say this year, given the roster he had, seeing how hard those guys did fight for him. He may have gotten the best effort out of his guys this year than he'd ever gotten before. It's just unfortunate the roster set up the way that it was, and it wasn't a winning roster in the first place. Yeah, and you know, we'll never know what would have happened had Tom Coughlin not alienated so many of the stars. You look at what he did with Jalen Ramsey, Unique Ngakwe, even Dante Fowler before that, finding him $700,000 wrongfully for not rehabbing at the stadium when he didn't need to be rehabbing at the stadium, according to the CBA. Uh, and then, obviously, he alienated Telvin Smith, who may have had his own issues going on way before that anyways. But, you know, what would have been with the Jaguars, with Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, had Tom Coughlin not alienated so many players? We'll never know. But... The other thing to think about there, 
when I was kind of doing this thought experiment, Doug Marone would have never got the job if it wasn't for Tom Coughlin. He would have never gone from interim head coach to head coach uh, full time had Tom Coughlin not become the EVP, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're probably right. Obviously, they have that relationship uh, from Syracuse. Um, you know, how much different would it have been? I really don't know. Because at the end of the day, when you look back on it, you know, there's one thing that those teams were lacking. And even through all the drama and all the bad play and everything between, the team never really had a quarterback. We can look back on it now and truly say that Blake Bortles was not the right quarterback. And this team, since really Mark Brunel, um, in my opinion, hasn't had, you know, a guy who can be the guy. And Bortles was obviously not even close to that. And, you know, even if that team was so solid on defense, would we have ever gotten over that hump with Bortles at the helm? I don't think so. Well, the other question there is, would the Jaguars have drafted Deshaun Watson, who apparently Dave Caldwell was very high on and lobbying for, had, again, Tom Coughlin not been there? So it's just a crazy situation to think about what could have been, what might have been. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think Caldwell or Marone would have been around after 2016 had Tom Coughlin not gotten the job. So it's like apples or uh, like what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I'll miss Doug in terms of like press conferences and just being a stand up guy and being like self deprecating humor. I always enjoy that. The bologna sandwiches. Uh, I think he'll be a kind of a cult legend in Jacksonville and he'll be the guy that ushered in the era of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you can say that for sure. So I guess some things will be uh, tagged to him, some things that are good. I th- still think it's crazy that. He's the baloney guy. And like I think about him now still, and I thought about it. I'm like, the craze with the baloney was just such a wild time. Yeah. Maroney baloney, baby. Maroney uh, baloney. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, obviously, the Jaguars do not have a head coach right now. They do not have a GM. We will talk about all that. But first, I just want to talk about your thoughts on Trevor um, and just, you know, this is the generational talent. This is the guy everyone's talking about. Everyone has been talking about for, honestly, the last half decade, dating back to his days in high school. Um, fantastic quarterback. He's got everything you want. And now he is poised to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, number one overall draft pick, the first number one overall draft pick in franchise history. Like you said, a generational talent, a generational player, a generational quarterback. This kid is by far the most highly regarded prospect across the media, across coaches, scouts, anybody, anywhere that I probably have ever seen. Ever. And so, you know, the Jaguars have a chance to really make a major splash and turn things around and really, you know, for the next decade be a powerhouse. You don't see prospects like this that often. And even Mahomes, you're looking at, you know, the best player in the league right now was not this kind of prospect. And you can obviously find prospects, you know, and, and players in, in every point of the draft and for every school, and you can make players better. But this kid has done it all since day one, even through high school. As the hype kept building, he kept getting better. And he goes off to Clemson. You know, he's supposed to be this true freshman prodigy and doesn't let anybody down, just keeps getting better and better and better and surpasses, I think, the expectations that everybody had for him. So when you see something like that, you, you've just got to, you know, put all of your chips in on what you know and what you've seen 
and hopefully he'll keep getting better, keep progressing, and the legacy will keep going like it has for, like you said, these past five, six years. Yeah, and the reasons he's been able to overcome so many of the issues that come with being considered like the LeBron James of football is because he's a hard worker, he's a genuinely good dude, and he just loves the game. Like, he is the LeBron James of the NFL, in my opinion. Like, what other – you got Andrew Luck, who everyone loved, but Andrew Luck, to be honest – he wasn't as talented as Trevor Lawrence is coming out. Um, Peyton Manning, everybody loved him, but there's no way you can tell me he's as talented as Trevor Lawrence when it comes to throwing the football and moving around the football field. You might be able to say he's smarter and further ahead in the mental department, but he's certainly not as talented. So maybe you're looking, going back to John Elway. I mean, honestly, as a prospect coming out, it's, it's incredible. I think no one has ever even come close. And there are a lot of factors in that. And the last one I do think of is John Elway, um, you know, as being that hyped up guy. But in today's age with media and social media and so many more people following and being able to follow you as a player, it's, I, I kind of like see it more as like Zion Williamson's rise. Trevor Lawrence is the LeBron of, of football. Don't get me wrong. In this sense of like that scale of player that, you know, that you're getting that type of player into the best league, in my opinion, on the planet. But with Lawrence and with Zion, there was, like I said, social media. Their highlights were being circulated on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram for years and years and years. And how long did it feel like we were watching Zion before he actually got to college, before he actually got to the NBA? And that's kind of how it is with Trevor Lawrence. So that's why I think there has never been a recruit more highly followed, scouted, and looked at than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree with you. He's he's an awesome, awesome prospect. I mean, not perfect, of course. You can go back and watch pretty much every game. He has a pass where he just locks onto that number one read and the defender either picks it off or drops it. Uh, but he's got it all. I mean, I, I love him. I've always said that I love Trevor Lawrence. He's not my number one guy, but I think it's crazy to sit here and say that he's not a generational talent. And I also have always said you can't go wrong with Lawrence or Fields. And I don't want to get into a debate about that because we've done that before. And regardless of whether or not I think Justin Fields is a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence, 99.99% of talent evaluators, coaches, scouts, media, everyone is on the Trevor Lawrence train. And that's where it's going to go. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the Jaguars' number one pick. Nobody in the football world is going to take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I just haven't seen any precedent for anyone talking about it in that regard. And so it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's time to get on the train. All aboard the Trevor train. It's so exciting for Jacksonville to finally have a shot, a legitimate franchise quarterback. Every other quarterback they've drafted in the first round really highly I mean, Byron Leftwich, sure, he had a lot of talent, but nowhere near the pedigree of a Trevor Lawrence. And then um, Blaine Gabbert, that was obviously a reach. He was never very good at Missouri. He was all traits. And then obviously Blake Bortles was a huge reach coming out of UCF. So it's just a a fantastic situation for Duval. Long overdue, well-deserved, so excited for the Jaguars fans. The thing that makes this 
the easiest decision ever is that the decision has already been made for you. Like you said, there's no if, ands, or buts. The Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence at number one. I mean, there's just no if, ands, or buts about it. So that's exciting. And and like you said, you know, it's it's the easiest decision the franchise has ever had to make. And it's the best chance they've ever had to get that guy. They've never, ever been in position to have the chance to go and get the number one prospect. Obviously, this is their first time getting the number one overall pick, but it also comes at a time where you have a generational prospect like this, and you can't help but just be absolutely elated that the franchise is in this position. Yeah, I guess I I forgot to get to my final point with those quarterbacks, but those quarterback classes, when the Jaguars had the ability to go get you know, a highly touted quarterback, it just wasn't the same kind of class as it is this year. And now they just have their shot at a generational talent. Couldn't be more happy for everyone else in Jacksonville. And uh, barring some just completely unforeseen circumstance, there's no way Trevor Lawrence is not going to go number one to Jacksonville. So uh, you can go ahead and start ordering your jerseys. I know some people have already done that. Uh, Happy for him. Very happy for him. And uh, how are you going to get Trevor Lawrence to be the best Trevor Lawrence he can be? You got to get a head coach and a GM and establish a culture. That's what the Jaguars are going to do now. Um, They're on the hunt for their next head coach. They've been on the hunt for their next GM for a while already. Uh, These two, whoever they may be, will both report directly to Shad Khan for the immediate future. Uh, Khan kind of spoke about that and spoke about wanting to find a proven leader, someone who understands the modern game and knows how to deal with the 21st century athlete. Now, he didn't straight up refer to Tom Coughlin not being able to do that or Doug Marone not being able to do that. But I think in those comments, you're seeing that he knows what they didn't have under Tom Coughlin. And he knows what they need to have with their next guy. And I think that should make Jaguars fans a lot more excited about this hiring process than they have been in the past. Absolutely. And I think that that uh, little caveat there about you know being able to handle the 21st century athlete, that was a straight shot at Tom Coughlin because you know his old school work, not work ethic, but his old school methods did not resume well with the locker room. And that caused a lot of the uprest and the upheaval and the turnover in the roster. So obviously you've got to be able to handle, you know, locker room personalities like that. And that, that was a huge thing that kind of brought us all down. So hopefully him being hands-on and, you know, kind of having not final say on everything, which I'm sure he would, but being able to just understand like what's happening, I think is, is going to be very, very beneficial for this franchise. With him just sitting back and let Tom pull the strings, and Tom was the major problem, you know, it obviously there was no room for that to be fixed. If you're the guy on top and you're the one that's causing all the issues, then obviously the issues are going to persist. Now he can kind of get his head in there and see, you know, if there are any issues going on, where are they coming from, and let's see if I can fix this right away. Yep, uh, I'm excited for for that, and I'm excited that the power structure is going to be, you know, the GM and the head coach report directly to Khan instead of the head coach reporting to the GM, GM reporting to the head coach, whatever it may be, because now you have a clear power structure and these two guys or females, you never know. um, These two people that are going to be guiding the Jaguars into the next era with Trevor Lawrence, they're going to have to come in with the same vision and they're going to be hired at the same time. It's going to be a cohesive 
process, in my opinion, I think is the way Shad Khan's trying to have it run. And I just think that that's a refreshing way for Khan to look at it compared to what he's done in the past. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. And there's been a lot of names already linked to the Jaguars job. As I mentioned, Urban Meyer, Eric Bieniemy met with the team today. Robert Sala, he will meet with the team. Arthur Smith, Raheem Morris, they will meet with the team. So obviously, Urban Meyer, former Ohio State and Florida head coach, we all know the resume, three national titles, 187 and 32 as a college head coach. Very impressive with what he's done. Eric Bieniemy, he's worked directly with Kansas City, uh, with Pat Mahomes, uh, and getting that offense going. A lot of Andy Reid disciples have had a lot of success in the NFL as head coaches. Robert Sala, he spent time under Gus Bradley in Jacksonville. He's now the 49ers defensive coordinator. He's got them playing great defense out there, and people just like him as a leader and a fiery, energetic type of guy. Arthur Smith, Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, has gotten their offense soaring to new heights, you know, with getting Ryan Tannehill, getting the most out of him, getting the most out of Derrick Henry and the rest of those guys over on that offense. And obviously Raheem Morris is the Falcons. Falcons interim head coach. He uh, is a defensive guy. He's had his shot as a head coach before, but the Jaguars are going to interview him as well. So let's go ahead and jump into these guys. What do we think? Jeremy? I'm here. I think we lost you there for a minute. Uh, On my end, it looked like you're on mute. So I guess... uh, yeah, we didn't have any audio coming in on the feed, so you can just go ahead and start talking about what you think about those guys. Yeah, um, kind of lost you there for a little bit, I think, uh, around the Raheem Morris part. But when you're looking at coaches and you're looking at GMs, obviously you want to find guys that work together really well, and I think that's important, especially in this point in the franchise. You want to find a guy that's going to build the team as a coach that's going to work best for your philosophy, and you want to make sure that that GM's philosophy, the players that he's looking for is going to fit your scheme as well. So you kind of have to go hand in hand there. Um, The thing with Urban Meyer is, you know, is he going to be that kind of NFL coach? You know, what, what is his, you know, relationship to his players? Is that going to transfer over well from the college game to the NFL game? Because things are obviously different there. You know, as a college head coach, you have a little bit more power than you do with these guys when you're at the professional level. And if you can't adjust your leadership style to fit that, these guys are not going to like that. They're probably going to revolt against you a little bit. You know, you, we've seen that before in the past. Coming from the coaching side, you know, the enemy is a guy that I think is fantastic. Um, obviously, you know, you want a good offensive head coach, in my opinion, to come in um, and really kind of direct this team in an offensive play style and really help develop your quarterback. So I like him. I like Arthur Smith. You know, I, I don't know if I'm on the urban train per se, but if you do bring urban in, you got to find guys offensively and defensively that can really help him when it comes to game playing. And obviously he's going to be a CEO type of head coach, but you got to have guys who are going to work well together because you're really going to have to develop this young quarterback. Yeah. He's a guy for me, Meyer. I mean, you've seen him build programs. He's his worst season in college was eight wins. I mean, it's incredible how successful he's been and he's always surrounded himself with good guys in terms of offensive coordinators defensive coordinators, assistants. You've seen a lot of his guys go on to have success. And I just think he will bring that CEO mindset, like you said. I think uh, he's gotten the best out of all his quarterbacks. And I just think from a pure football standpoint, I don't think you can do better than Urban Meyer. But 
I think the risk for me with Urban Meyer is less about going from college to the NFL and more about his health and integrity. How long is he going to stick around? How long is he going to have good relationships with everyone in the building? Um, That's more my question. I mean, he was at Florida for six years, Ohio State for seven years. Those aren't short stretches by any imagine or by any uh, any measurement. Those that's not a short run at a university, but. Obviously, the way he left both programs leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, I do like Eric Bieniemy. He's not one of my top guys because I don't know how much of his success comes from Andy Reid, which, of course, I mentioned Andy Reid has a lot of disciples out there that have done really well in the NFL for themselves. But how much of it comes from Andy Reid and how much of it comes from having the number one quarterback, the number one tight end, and the most explosive receiver in football. Um, so I like him. I think he's a great leader. I'm just not 100% sold on his offensive mind, considering the last job he had as an offensive coordinator before Kansas City, he was at Colorado, and they were just flat out awful. Now, like I said, I do like him. I would not be against him. He's just not one of my top guys. I like Arthur Smith more, who the Jaguars have requested to interview. Uh, because he's really worked himself up from being like a quality control guy to being an offensive coordinator. And that offense, it's his. He designed that offense. He is getting the most out of Ryan Tannehill. He was able to figure out how to get Derrick Henry going much better than um, much better than their former offensive coordinator, the now Packers head coach. Uh, so I really like what Smith has done with Tannehill, with Henry, with getting A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and Jonu Smith and all these guys going, he's got a lot to work with, but he's done a really good job. And he's had a lot of different jobs in the NFL from, like I said, basically being quality control to being a defensive coach for a while. Now he's an offensive coordinator, really well-respected in that building. They don't want to lose him. And I love poaching from within the division. Always going to love doing that. Yeah. Just a big screed at the Titans. Huh? Right. And go get John um, Smith while you're at it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be fine with that too. I think the biggest thing for this coaching surge has to be which one of these coaches is going to benefit your new quarterback the best. Right. And the reason why I say that is because you're putting everything you have, everything, all of your eggs in one basket on this quarterback. This has to work. He has to be everything that you need him and want him to be. So make sure he's in the best position to succeed. Whoever you think gives your quarterback the jet, the best chance of growing and becoming a star in this league, that's who you go with. From the GM down, whoever's vision you think is going to put the best team around him, put the best coaching system, style, scheme, you know, and, and staff around him, that's what you do. That's what you go with. Yeah, and I will say my second favorite head coaching candidate, he's actually not – one of the guys the Jaguars have requested at this point, but it's Brian Dayball. He's done wonders taking Josh Allen, who was about as the most unrefined quarterback prospect, insanely talented, but unrefined and transformed him into an MVP candidate, a franchise quarterback. And I think if you see what he's done with that, what can he do with Trevor Lawrence? Because he's a guy that completely designed that offense around Josh Allen. And again, it's his offense. They have, they have a defensive head coach. It's 
it's Brian Dayball's offense. And you see what he's able to do now with um, Allen, now that he's gotten a superior talent. And he has worked with Nick Saban, with Bill Belichick, now um, with McDermott. And I think he's just been really impressive with Josh Allen and getting the most out of Stephon Diggs and the rest of those guys. And some of the plays he's dialing up are just really impressive. And I think he's a good culture guy. I think uh, McDermott has established an awesome culture up there. And if the Jaguars could kind of get a piece of that, that would be good for them uh, long-term as well. Absolutely. Took the thoughts right out of my head. I was talking to my buddy the other day, and that was my same pushing point for Dable is if you've seen what he's done with Josh Allen, who is a f- you know a much much more raw, like you said, unrefined prospect, think what he could do with a much more finely tuned and pro ready prospect in Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think it would be absolutely amazing to see what he could do. And I cannot believe they haven't requested to interview him yet. Yeah, kind of odd. Um, he's the one guy that they haven't requested that I'm really kind of like puzzled about. But you know. I, I do like the list of guys here. Out, the only guy that they have requested to interview or that has been linked to the job that I really wouldn't be excited about is Raheem Morris. If you're talking about him as your defensive coordinator, sure, all day. I'm on board for that. But uh, as a head coach, he flamed out in Tampa. I'm not sure he's the guy to usher in the Trevor Lawrence era for the Jaguars. I agree. I don't really know where all the hype is coming from all of a sudden with Raheem Morris. Like, yeah, he's been the interim head coach for the Falcons, and they rattled off a few wins there late. But, I mean, it wasn't really all that impressive. It just didn't seem like Dan Quinn was getting the best out of his players. That wasn't an untalented team. And they were in games, coached. too, before. Like, they were just losing games at the end. Yeah, just extremely poorly coached. So, like I said, Raheem Morris flamed out in Tampa Bay. It didn't go well down there. You know, he's been there with the Falcons. You know, they, they weren't a stunning defense. You know, it's not like he took us off of, you know, off the page with his defense this year. You know, it just kind of happens that the Falcons won a few games at the end of the year. I don't think he should be getting this much hype either, in my opinion. Yeah, so now looking at the other part of the equation here, the general managers, the people that the Jaguars have or will meet with is Jerry Reese, former Giants GM, two-time Super Bowl champion, Rick Smith, former Texans GM, they had an incredible run of being uh, above average and uh, with all the draft picks that he accumulated and did a good job within the first round over in Houston. Uh, Trent Baalke, Jaguars current uh, interim GM, former 49ers GM. Uh, Lewis Riddick, obviously from ESPN fame, and he was a former pro personnel guy, former uh, NFL safety Terry Fontenot, assistant GM, vice president of pro personnel for the Saints. Obviously talking about the Saints type of uh, guys, got got to get you excited there. Who out of these guys are you interested in? You know, before we talked about this earlier, Rick Smith wasn't as much on my radar as a guy like Lewis Riddick is, in my opinion. But once we kind of talked about it a little bit more, you do kind of realize the kind of roster that he built in Houston you kind of think on it. You kind of think, hey, you know, this guy was pretty good. If we can get a roster sort of like that, kind of start building things like that, you know, we could be all right. He was hitting on a lot of picks. He drafted a lot of great guys, um, you know, brought a lot of talent out of maybe uh, some guys that wouldn't have got a lot of them elsewhere. Um, so that's a good one. On my radar, though, Lewis Riddick, I think, you know, is a guy that maybe could step in. And he doesn't have any prior experience, so there's no negative marks on his record. 
But these guys talk about the draft, talk about prospects, talk about the NFL all day, every day from a prospect outside looking in. I think he might have some good insight as well uh, on how to build this franchise going forward. Yeah, I think Lewis Riddick is definitely no nonsense. Like he's a football guy. He played in the NFL, played safety in the 90s, hard hitting guy, obviously. So I like him. Um, I don't love him. I do. I like Rick Smith. He's my guy. I've come out and say that. He's my guy that I would really like to see because he has a sterling record of winning in Houston, sterling record of drafting first round draft picks. When you look at Deshaun Watson, that was his call. Uh, When you look at DeAndre Hopkins, Dwayne Brown, J.J. Watt, all these guys that he's drafted are superstars and maybe even Hall of Fame type. Like these are Hall of Fame players. Uh, The Jaguars have not drafted a lot of. Hall of Fame caliber players, especially not since the 90s uh, when they had Tony Baselli, who shout out to him. It should be noted that he made the Pro Football Hall of Fame finals again. So he has a shot to make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. But yeah, the Jaguars just have not been drafting those type of guys. And Rick Smith, he knows how to do it. The only reason that he got on the outs in Houston is because there was a power struggle between him and Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien ended up winning that power struggle for whatever reason. And then you see what has happened to that Texans roster since 2018 when Rick Smith uh, was fired or let go. And it's just been awful. I mean, he's the one that built that roster that went to the AFC title game without question. Definitely. And when you look at these guys, you know, the first thing you want to look to is, you know, what happened like you said earlier, in their respective situations. You know, what got these guys fired? If they have a history, what is it? And like I said, Rick Smith's history is just he was on the wrong end of a power struggle with Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien burnt that place to the ground. So, you know, him and Lewis Riddick are the only guys that don't really have negative marks on their cards. You know, I did like seeing John Dorsey's name thrown around a little bit. I know that they haven't really made any formal movements on that, but, you know, the guy did build a pretty good roster in Cleveland. You know, kind of slowly got Cleveland back, and and you know they're kind of contending now. They finally made the playoffs. I wouldn't hate to see him get a little chance uh, again down here in Duval. Yeah, I'm not a Dorsey guy. Uh, I don't think he'd be the worst option, but I think there's an ego there that can be an issue uh, at times. I think he's really kind of showed his ass in Kansas City and in Cleveland, and he's not he's not my type of guy. But um, from a roster building perspective, sure, he has done some very good things. When it comes to roster building, I'll I'll give you that 100%. So let's just dive into it. Predictions. Who do you think it's going to be, coach and GM, and who do you want it to be? Mm, So the GM's hard for me. I don't don't really know. You can go a lot of different ways in in, the GM world, but you've convinced me on Rick Smith. I am really dialed into Rick Smith. I I think that would be a great match, a great pick for us. The head coach is where I'm really more focused on, I'm really more concerned about, and I think it still hasn't happened yet. But if I could go get one guy, I'd get Brian Dable. And they haven't even requested to interview him yet, but that'd be my one guy. Again, it all goes back to watching him develop Josh Allen. We need a guy who's going to develop Trevor Lawrence the same way. Again, what I said earlier, you're putting all of your eggs into this basket with this guy. You've got to go out there and get the best staff, the best people around him to make him great. And I think Dable can be that guy. Like I said, you saw the way he progressed Josh Allen. I need to see the way he can take Trevor Lawrence and turn him into a Hall of Fame superstar as well. I just need to see it. That's my guy. I would go get him. Yeah, I love Brian Dayball too. I'm with you on that. 
uh, in terms of really liking him. And one thing that we didn't mention yet that we have mentioned in prior episodes, but I just wanted to reiterate it. One of the reasons we're talking about all these offensive guys, you do not want to go get your quarterback and create a fantastic foundation with an offensive coordinator. And then because you had success, he gets poached after one season and your quarterback has to restart. That is the last thing you want. You want a coach, head coach, who's going to come in and the offense is going to be his. I really strongly believe that when you're going to have a a, a franchise quarterback, a rookie franchise quarterback with generational talent, you do not want to lose that foundation after the first or second year. I've never thought about it in that perspective, but that is genius. You're 100% right. Go get that guy and put him on the top of the chain. And I've said this in the past before in past podcasts. I want the next head coach to be offensively oriented. You see the league is starting to turn offensive. Make that guy your guy. That's fantastic. If you put him at the offensive coordinator position, like you said, he's going to get poached by someone else next year. So go put a guy at the head of the chain that's going to be offensively oriented. Go put Dable up there. Go put him at the head coach. He can't get stolen away after that. That's genius. I haven't thought about it like that before. Yeah, so um, my prediction is going to be Meyer and Smith. I just think where there's smoke, there's fire. And where there's been plenty of smoke surrounding the Jaguars <laughs> and Urban Meyer. And, you know, I... I, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Urban Meyer. I don't know about the GM spot at all. Uh, I I think Rick Smith is the best candidate, which is why I think Urban Meyer will be on board with that and that it'll just work with Rick Smith, Shad Khan, and Urban Meyer uh, as you know the top of the football organization there. Uh, but it, it could be any of these guys. And I, I think I wouldn't want Trent Baalke. 100% would not want Trent Baalke. Jerry Reese, I can see the appeal. Again, two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, drafted a lot of really good players for the Giants over the years. He was there a long time. He had an unfortunate stretch there uh, when Eli was aging and they were just kind of having some bad seasons. Uh, but he he did a lot of good things. He wouldn't be high on my list, but I wouldn't think he'd be an absolute failure. Don't want Trent Baalke. Lewis Riddick, I'd be okay with. Terry Fontenot, I don't know much about. I know that the Saints do have a fantastic roster, and he's been a huge part of that. So I I don't think I would hate that either. Um, but yeah, Rick Smith is my guy. I think he should be the guy. Um, but but uh, yeah, so there's plenty to look at when you look at these head coaches and GMs. There's also plenty to look at when you talk about free agency. And free agency comes before the draft. But knowing that the Jaguars have the number one pick, knowing that they need to surround Trevor Lawrence with talent prior to the draft and during the draft, obviously, we're going to take a little look at free agency. We're not going to go deep dive into free agency here, but just talk about uh, maybe like our top five or so guys that we really think would be fantastic free agent additions for the Jaguars. You want to lead us off, Jeremy? Yeah, sure. And like you said, the Jaguars have the one pick. They know where they're going at number one. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So you can plan out your free agency ahead of time. You're in such a great position to do this. It's just fantastic. So I think the first thing you do is bolster that offensive line. You don't want this kid back there with the potential of getting hurt, getting hit too often. You need a strong offensive line. The thing that we saw in Indianapolis was Andrew Luck getting hit consistently led to an early retirement. This year you saw Joe Burrow. I was just about to say that with Joe, yep. 
Yeah, that's you cannot let that happen. So go out there and bolster that offensive line. I'm thinking Trent Williams and Brandon Scherf, open the checkbook, pay them as much money as they want. And look, you got to make Cam compete for that left tackle position. And if he's not going to do it, that's fine. You got Trent Williams down, all pro left tackle to protect the blind side of a franchise quarterback. And then Brandon Scherf, go get a bigger, more powerful guard, replace AJ Can. That's a stacked offensive line right there, I think. I think you have to do that. Protect your guy. Protect the investment. I agree with you 100%. I love both of those. I'm more in on Trent just because I think, obviously, you don't have a left tackle right now. Cam Robinson's a free agent. Uh, and AJ Can is still under contract. He did have his best season of his career. I don't love him by any stretch. He's been an inconsistent player for most of his career. But again, coming off a good season in the prime, I don't think you absolutely have to replace him. So I'd be more in on Trent than Brandon. But if you can go get both of them, sign me up. I love it. Um, And Trent, he's 33 years old. I know somebody's going to bring that up. But he is in the prime of his career still. And you see with some of these dominant left tackles, they can play till they're 40. And I think if you get him in here for three or four years right now, he's going to be great for you throughout the entire duration of that contract. Um, And I, I absolutely think if if I have to choose between offense and defense where I'm spending the most of my money, I'm spending most of it on offense because I want to ensure that Trevor Lawrence is going to be surrounded with what he needs to be successful. But the Jaguars have the most money in free agency. They should be able to get their guys on offense and defense. And looking at that, I really want to pay Justin Simmons or Marcus May at safety Pair them up with Jared Wilson, who can play strong safety or free safety. He's not the best guy in the world, but if he's your starter with Justin Simmons or Marcus May next to him next year, your your safety group and your secondary is dramatically improved. Um, Justin Simmons is an all-pro level player. I think Marcus May is as well. If you can't get either of them, I still think you go get a safety. Anthony Harris from Minnesota, he's a couple years older than those guys. Still in the prime of his career, though. And then if you can't get any of those top three guys, in my opinion, you can also get Marcus Williams, who's playing good football for the Saints. He's an unrestricted free agent. And then uh, Keanu Neal, you could get him from Atlanta if you need to. You'd obviously have to play him at strong safety, Jared Wilson at free safety. And you could take a shot on Malik Hooker. When he plays, he's a hell of a player, but obviously he's dealt with injuries. Former uh, top, uh, top draft pick from the Colts. Um, so there's a lot of options to make your secondary, which is the weakness of the defense, in my opinion, especially at that strong or free safety spot, depending on where you're going to put Jared Wilson, a lot of options for the Jaguars to go address that safety position. Yeah. The, the defense was weak overall. We know that. I mean, obviously I think one of the top weaknesses on the defense is that safety group and specifically So I think it's fantastic that they go out and get a safety. You know, like you said, Justin Simmons has been a great player uh, up in Denver for the last couple of years. It would be fantastic down here. But I think you've got to look closer, closer to the ball, closer to the line of scrimmage. I think you've got to start with the front seven. I'd love to see them go out and get Leonard Williams, a big, strong defensive lineman. You can play him at a strong side DN. You can even play him inside if you need to. He has that flexibility to go inside and outside, and he's a havoc pass rusher. And he stops the run. He's just an all-around great defensive player. And I think he would be a great focal point of our defense going forward. You've got some young guys on the defensive line like Costin. 
who have proved that they could play really well, but maybe aren't ready to take on that role by themselves yet. Leonard Williams comes in, he can play fantastic with those guys. I think he'd be a great run-stopping defensive end. And then on the outside, I think you should go out and get a guy like Judon from Baltimore. Again, another great run-stopping uh, stand-up defensive end who can really play the edge well for you. I think you've got to go to the point of attack here. Uh, that's where the Jaguars struggled, I think, the heaviest in the run game and in the pass rush this year. And so go fill those holes on the front end of the defense first. I'm 100% in on Leonard Williams. I think Judon is a guy that it depends on your scheme defensively if you want to go after him. But Leonard Williams, like you said, positional versatility, can play the edge, can push the pocket. 62 quarterback pressures this year for a guy that plays on the interior a lot. You love to see that. And uh, you pair him with Devon and get Doug Coston rotating in. Uh, maybe even get Al Woods or Karan Reed rotating in as well. Uh, I love what you've got there. If you've got Devon Hamilton, Leonard Williams, then you've got Doug Coston or one of those other guys behind Coston. And then on the edges, you've got Josh Allen. You've got Caleb Von Chason. Both should be going into the season healthy and both should be kind of raring to go after what you saw this year at the end of the season for Caleb on. So I think that would just be a fantastic situation for the Jaguars defense to be able to land a guy like Leonard Williams. And I do agree. He could be like the priority guy uh, for the Jaguars or for many other teams. And uh, the Giants would be crazy to let him go, but he's an unrestricted free agent. So we'll see how it goes. Um, now we haven't talked about giving giving our guy Trevor any more offensive weapons yet, but we should absolutely add another offensive weapon or two in free agency. You look at Kenny Galladay, you look at Will Fuller. These are my top wide receivers that I'd be targeting. Pay them to play on the outside opposite DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault inside, and that is just filthy. You cannot cover Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller. And LaVisca Chenault. I don't care who you are. That's fair. I understand that. And I think that either one of those guys would be a great compliment to the receivers you already have. But I'm very high on our receiver room. I think our receiver room is deep. I'm high on a lot it of too, but let's be there. honest. Keelan Cole is a free agent. Yes, he is. And if you let him leave, then I, you definitely need to sign somebody else, maybe God on the other side. But I'm not too set on letting Cole walk yet. I think this receiver room is really deep. It's really young. It's really explosive. And I think bringing Trevor Lawrence in to start gaining some chemistry with these guys or at least set them up for, for future success. Where we're not deep, however, is that tight end room. And a guy that I really like Johnny? is Hunter Henry. I like Hunter oh, Henry. Okay, okay. I like Hunter Henry. I think he's a big, reliable target. You need that for a guy like Lawrence. Um, you know, In the NFL, a tight end is key. A lot of these teams that you're seeing that are making deep runs in the playoffs have, have good, good, good tight ends. And the Jaguars have yet to have that in a while. I think it's just a safety valve or a liable guy that you can go to in the red zone, uh, go to in short air situations, stuff like that. I think a, a tight end would really uh, do much more for this offense. Now, a good top-tier tight end than signing another wide receiver to kind of just throw into the mix, in my opinion. I don't – hey, you saying thrown into the mix? Kenny Galladay and Will Fuller are elite outside receivers. When they are Will healthy and in the, the game – you cannot stop them when they are playing opposite DJ Chark with LaVisca in the middle. Now, I, I think agree Galladay, that you should go get a tight end. 
I think John o. Smith is the guy, though. I think he's going to be a little cheaper than Hunter Henry. I think he's got more upside than Hunter Henry, and he has less injury risk. And he's also another guy poaching from within the division. Yeah, that's fair. I think Galladay and Fuller are on different levels, though. I think Galladay is a much more complete receiver. Will Fuller is just really your classic deep threat. I mean, really, when's the last time you saw that guy? Will Fuller, when he match. was healthy this year and before he got suspended, he was averaging over 100 receiving yards a game, and he was not doing it only on deep shots. But guess what? You've got LaVisca for the underneath stuff. You've got Colin Johnson. You've got DJ who can win anywhere on the field. And I think Will Fuller can too. But when you talk about what Trevor does best, he can hit those deep guys. And with Will Fuller, he's going to be open all the time. Now, I just love both of those guys. And I know they're two totally different players. Kenny Galladay is more of a prototypical number one receiver, whereas Will Fuller, like you said, is more of the burner. But either one of them I just think would make the Jaguars offense incredibly difficult to deal with when you look at baby Chark on one side, Kenny G or Will Fuller on the other Visca in the middle. Maybe you bring Keelan Cole back as well. If not, you've also got Colin Johnson, Jonu Smith, James Robinson, maybe even another young running back from the draft. I mean, that type of offense is really next level. And I don't know how any defense in the AFC or in the NFL would really be able to handle that type of offense down in and down out. Both of those guys are great options. Don't get me wrong. But again, my point just goes back to the strength of the wide receiver room currently in comparison to the weakness of the tight end room. That's all it is. Do I think that Galladay or Will Fuller would come in and instantly make the wide receivers better and make the offense better? Absolutely, I do. But I think, you know, you want to spread out that skill a little bit. You don't want it all concentrated in one area because you can only put four or five guys in the field at a time, three or four guys in the field at a time. You're not running five wide every single play. So I think when you've got guys that are serviceable and and, and good to decent receivers already and you do not have a single playmaking stud tight end, I think you just got to focus there first. That's all. Yeah, and I also just, as as football players, would I rat, who do I think is going to impact my team more, Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay, or Hunter Henry? I'm going to give it to those receivers every day. But – that's all right. Will I be mad if the Jaguars sign Hunter Henry? Absolutely not. And uh, I, I would be happy for them to bring Keelan Cole back too. But if you're going to spend seven, eight, I don't know how much Keelan Cole is going to cost. He could cost close to nine, uh, nine, ten million. I really don't know. Hopefully, it would be closer to that six or seven range. But if you're going to pay a guy, why not go get somebody that's elite for your young quarterback? You've got the money to do it. But uh, I think we've established a, a solid plan. You know, the plan is go get some extra offensive weapons, whether it be a wide receiver, or a tight end, or both. Go get somebody on the defensive interior. Go get somebody on the back end at safety and definitely address the offensive line with one or two big free agent signings. Yeah, and you have to start building now. Because let's be realistic, the Jaguars' best window to win a Super Bowl will be within the next three years. You've got a rookie quarterback coming in on a rookie deal, a rookie phenom quarterback. He's going to be relatively cheap for the next three or four years. Now is when you build a team around him to win a championship. We've seen this before in the NFL. I've said this multiple times, and I think this is where the league is moving. Cheap, phenomenal quarterbacks out of the draft. You've got 81, well, 
probably 81 to $100 million to spend in free agency. Build that team now. The window is now. We have to do it now, man. I'm telling you. I completely agree with you. And you're not going to be able to go sign guys like this after Trevor Lawrence is on his second contract. You'll be able to sign someone here or there. But you have the opportunity to sign five, you know, way above average to elite starters and free agency this year, you got to go do it. And by the time that Trevor Lawrence is up to be paid for his second contract, then you're starting to get these guys off of uh, their contracts and you'll have the money to get Trevor Lawrence and on whatever Buku crazy deal it's going to be by that time. I mean, Pat Mahomes just got 50 million. What's Trevor going to get 75? Who knows? It's going to be crazy. But by the time that rolls around, you'll be getting those guys off the books, and then you'll be turning the team over to Trevor and draft picks. Exactly. Exactly. 100% couldn't have said it better myself. Man, it's just going to be exactly like you see with Rodgers right now. Once you get Trevor Lawrence to that state where he makes everybody around him better, well, then you're off and running. So you got to start him off hot, and you have to build that mega team now. I'm so excited, dude. They could really do this. They could really build a mega team this year with that money. Yeah, it'd be crazy because all these guys we've said, I mean, these are not just like above average guys. All the guys we've talked about, and there are guys out there that are above average that maybe not be these names. They might not be as good as these guys, but they will make the Jaguars better. But you have the money to go get legitimately five or six above average to elite players in free agency. And I definitely. And that's if you're paying these guys $20 million a year. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about that's it, out, that, that, that's outbidding. That's, that's outbidding other teams for them. I'm not talking about getting them on a bargain. I'm talking about spending money, and you have the money to do it, and uh, making them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, and you could get Tyler Eifert and uh, AJ Can if you if you wanted to, you could get rid of them, and that saves you 10 million right there for guys that really aren't that impactful. That gives you an extra 10 million to go get another superstar. And what you have to remember. If you see uh, whatever it is right now, 75 to 100 million in cap space, when they go sign these players, if they get a $20 million a year contract, their first year salary cap hit is going to be nowhere near 20 million. It's going to be probably in the range of 10 to 13 million because the Jaguars are going to do a signing bonus that gets prorated over the length of the contract. So you're, you can really overspend when you're getting all these guys in year one. And then as the cap expands, as you get other guys off of your salary cap, their contracts, you can still handle. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of heavy backloads this free agency cycle, too, because of the fluctuation of the salary cap due to COVID-19. So, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting, but you can definitely, you know, structure some of these contracts really benefit you now and hopefully get out from underneath you in the future. And later, yeah. When you do so many opportunities here, when you do those signing bonuses and the signing bonuses, you have to have an owner that is willing to spend to do those signing bonuses. And Shad Khan has never shied away from that. He's always been down to do these contracts this way where he has to spend a lot of money up front and uh, it doesn't really count towards the salary cap until later on. So the Jaguars can absolutely afford to go get some of these guys that we're talking about. Now, this weekend, There is playoff football. The season isn't over for everyone. Uh, So I thought we could take a little bit of time at the end of the show here to talk about some of these playoff matchups and just run through them real quick and give our predictions here. So we've got Colts at Bills. 
Um, what do we see here? The Bills are favored by seven points. This is probably the most intriguing matchup of the weekend to me because we've seen the Bills offense just be on absolute fire over the last few weeks, and they've really started to ramp it up. But that Colts defense can clamp down at any time. However, I like the way Josh Allen is playing. I think he's fully coming into command of that offense. He's becoming that superstar that we all know he is and can be. And I think they're just going to keep on rolling. I take the Bills with the points here. I think they're going to roll right through the Colts. Yeah, I think the Bills have too much, especially at home. I, I When you talk about Josh Allen versus Phillip Rivers at this point in their careers, it's not really even much of a question. You do got to love the Colts defense and their running game, but I'm going to take the Bills at home. They're very strong there. I don't think Phillip Rivers is going to go up to uh, – to northern New York and get it done in the elements out there. So and then we've got Browns. They made the playoffs, the freaking Browns. They did it for the first time in eons. They travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, division rivals. The Steelers are favored by six and a half. This just, you know, seems like a crazy situation. The Browns once again get hit with the COVID bug. They got Stefanski out. I think Olivier Vernon's out. Um, you know, there may be some other players being named later. They're going to be out. It just comes at a terrible, terrible time for the Browns to be making their first playoff appearance. And like you said, eons, um, but, you know, I think that's, that's going to be a huge thing for them. You know, not having your head coach on the sideline, that's going to screw things up. I think you'll take the Steelers in this one straight up. Yeah, I agree with you. The Steelers, uh, if Kevin Stefanski was able to coach in this game, it'd be a different It'd be a different conversation, let's be completely honest. But no Kevin Stefanski in Pittsburgh. First time making the playoffs for a lot of these guys uh, on the Browns' sideline. I think the Steelers are going to get it done uh, and cover. Uh, Ravens, they are road favorites against the Titans. They're favored by three and a half at Tennessee. How do you see that one playing out? The only road favorites this weekend, and rightfully so, because this Ravens offense is on an absolute tear. We saw them kind of hit a roadblock in the middle of the season with their COVID outbreak, and they were kind of sputtering, and people thought, you know, maybe people are trying to figure out this offense, kind of starting to figure it out. No, sirree. The Bravens have come back in full force. They have been burning everyone they've played since then. And I think they're going to keep this weekend. I think the Titans – even though they're going to want to run the ball, they're not going to be able to keep up with this Raven offense. They're explosive, and they're firing on all cylinders. I take the Ravens here as well. Yeah, earlier this week when I was on the sportscast, uh, I picked the Titans in this one. You know, the Titans beat the Ravens last year in the playoffs. I think that the Ravens are so hot right now, and they are built to win on the road in the playoffs with that running game and that defense. I think that they are going to overcome their demons against the Titans, and they're going to move on. Lamar is going to get his first playoff win. Uh, going back on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the official prediction. Uh, that's fair. On the these guys are on fire. <laughs> uh, but these, guys, these guys are on fire, man. I haven't seen them play this well probably at all since Lamar has been here. I mean, they just, they're doing everything they want to do every single week. Yeah. They've been awesome, awesome lately, ever since Poopgate. Now, Bears at Saints. Saints are favored by 10. I think this is a pretty easy one to predict. Uh, but do the Saints cover? Ooh, 10 points in the playoffs. That's a lot. I'm not sure. You know, you want to say yes, but I can see the Bears being one of those pesky teams that just sneak their way in. But they have such a good defense. 
I think they could really win any game at any time. If the defense plays their best game and the offense is clicking, there's a chance. Do I think they win? No, and I wouldn't bet on it. But don't the Bears just kind of seem like one of those sneaky backdoor teams that can come in and kind of sneak away a victory in the wildcard round? Yeah, I mean, when Mitch Trubisky plays... Uh, when Mitch Trubisky is good Mitch Trubisky, I guess I should say. When he's playing at his best, he's a very good quarterback. You you never know when you're going to get that and when you won't. I'm willing to bet that it probably won't happen against the Saints in the Superdome in the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, I'll definitely take the Saints. I definitely wouldn't touch the spread on that one. Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by four. Uh, that's a That's a really interesting one, another divisional matchup. I'm not sold on the Seahawks. I mean, they feel fake to me. They don't feel uh, like, you know, they're really that good. They don't feel like they're poised to make a playoff run. And I don't think they uh, have been playing their best football since the beginning of this year. You know, they kind of skated by the last few weeks here playing okay football, but they really peaked at the beginning of the year. Russ was on fire, and they kind of tailed off. And I think the Rams are going to come in. The Rams have a playoff defense. They have a defense that is built to win late in the season. And I think the Rams are going to get this done. I think the Rams are going to come back and beat the Seahawks in the wild card round. I will not take the Rams. I mean, simply because of the question marks at quarterback right now, definitely would rather roll with the Seahawks at home. You've got Russell Wilson. I think we're going to see him cook. I think the Rams are talking a lot of smack right now. I think they're not going to be able to back it up in the playoffs. And if the Rams lose, it benefits the Jaguars' second first-round pick, so I'm just going to kind of pull for that anyways. <laughs> so Bucks are minus nine at the football team. I think it's easy to pick the Bucks in this one. The football team's only the home team because they won their division. The lousy NFC East. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are absolutely on fire right now offensively. I think that they'll blow that spread out of the water, to be completely honest. I think so as well. I think the Bucs are poised to just absolutely begin their playoff run on a high note here. I mean, really, there's not much that you can expect from Washington. There's really not. They're not a very good football team. The AFC or the NFC, excuse me, the NFC East sucks. They're they're there by default. That's all it is. I think the the Bucs will have no problem. I think the the uh, Washington football team is, is merely a, a road bump on their way to uh, the next round of the playoffs. Yeah, football team is a great story this year, but not a great team. So uh, Super Bowl picks. Do you want to get into this right now? I think we should do it before the games start. Okay, let's go. You start off. Let's see what you got. All right, I'm taking the Chiefs and the AFC. I just uh, I have family from Kansas City. Uh, it's been really fun to see Pat, but and, but most of all, I I just think betting against Patrick Mahomes, not smart, not smart at all. I'm taking him to get the Chiefs back to the Super Bowl to represent the AFC. I agree. I don't think there's anybody that could even match up with the Chiefs in the playoffs. I mean, they really just are that much better than everybody else. The only team that maybe has a chance is going to be Buffalo because they have a stellar defense, but the Chiefs are just on another level. Pat Mahomes is just on another level. You know, he truly by far is the best quarterback in the league right now. I don't see anyone stopping them. I see them making a smooth run to the championship again. Yes. Second best quarterback in the league and the MVP of the year for me is Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking the Packers to get to the Super Bowl. So we'll get a classic matchup between Chiefs and Packers. I, I agree. Then same right there with you. 
The Packers are, again, by far, I think, the best team in the NFC. Uh, the Saints come in at number two, but, you know, there's some questions there. You know, Drew Brees, since coming back, hasn't been the same Drew Brees, and I think at any time he can kind of have an iffy game, but Aaron Rodgers has been on fire this year. The, the Packers haven't stopped, and I think they're going to cruise right along way too to meet up with Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Yeah, now if the Packers do go down, I guess you could see the Saints getting to the Super Bowl because you know they would have home field. They wouldn't have to travel to Green Bay. But yeah, I'm definitely taking Green Bay. Uh, Chiefs versus Packers Super Bowl. Who do we have? I gotta take the Packers. I think that Aaron Rodgers is gonna get one more. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes is gonna have plenty to come, but you know you can't win them all unless you're Brady. But uh, you know, I, I think that he'll have one more bump in the road. I think the Packers have enough firepower and Aaron Rodgers to get there. They have a defense that's decent enough to probably put some pressure on the uh, Chiefs offense, but Aaron Rodgers is really the only quarterback that can duel it out with Pat Mahomes. I think they'll get the upper hand just based off of experience. I know Pat's been there before too, obviously, but Aaron Rodgers has you know experience in this league, and, and I think he's going to get a chance to get one more under his belt this year. I will take the Chiefs so my in-laws do not kill me. <laughs> Plain and simple. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate everyone listening. Like to remind everyone, Zach Wilson will go in the top five. Like to shout out the Bold City Brewery once more, one and only sponsor of the show. Really appreciate them. Check them out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend, Duval. And buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride for the next 10 years with Trevor Lawrence at, at the helm. Thanks for listening again and have a great weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.